Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am recording live here from Charlotte, North Carolina. For those of you guys who listened to Unaborted in the podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about Love Life. Love Life is a ministry that started out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and is now um, moving all across the country. And we just launched Love Life California recently. And we've had some episodes where we've actually highlighted Love Life as a ministry. And so you might be aware of them. If not, they are a ministry on the front lines of waking up the church to end the genocide side of baby image bearers. Their goal is to rally a Christian witness outside every abortion center in the country every day they're open, offering the hope of the gospel and the help of the local church to bring an end to abortion and the orphan crisis in this country. Shocker! They're just simply fulfilling the duty to love your neighbor, Christianity 101, hold back those staggering towards slaughter, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, so that we will not fulfill Francis Schaeffer's damning words when he said that abortion is happening with the permission of the church. And we're not going to secure any of our liberties in this country as long as we continue to allow abortion and the denial of the first and most important of all natural rights, life. And so today, I'm so excited to bring on my good friend, Justin Reeder, the founder and CEO of Love Life, here live in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Love Life headquarters to talk about what's going on in the country, why it's important, what God is doing, and how you can get involved to do something as well. So buckle up, stay tuned. You're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Well, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down yeah. with me and hang out, man. Happy to be here, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so good to be here with you guys. We've only been to, I've only been to Charlotte once. Uh, was when welcome, my man. wife and I came out here with, uh, I guess, the three of us. My wife was pregnant, and that was for right. our baby moon, for our first kid. Um, so it was my second time back in Charlotte, and now under very different uh, very different premises. In fact, you guys were operating already. God was really starting to blow up love life when we were here yeah. in, in 2017, but I wasn't aware of you guys yet. And so yeah. it's fun to be back here the second time um, for life with you guys partnering together. Um, and so I, I spoke at a church on Sunday. We'll be at one on Wednesday evening, and they'll be hanging with you guys on Saturday to do sidewalk counseling. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about what God is doing in Charlotte right now. And then I yeah. want you to jump into the Genesis story yeah. of love life. But, but what is going on right now in Charlotte is this really mecca, I would say, in the country of the church fulfilling her role yeah. to end abortion and save these children. Yeah, we're seeing God really do amazing things. But first off, I just want to say, man, it's been a privilege partnering with you. I'm so thankful for your voice, bro. It's so encouraging to hear others speaking so boldly and courageously on life. I just heard your, I think it was the last episode of your message in Chattanooga, such a timely message for the church. Yeah. And so brother, I just honor you and thank you for giving your life to this, to being a voice for the voiceless. But uh, what we're seeing God do here in Charlotte, you know, really there's been many that have been laboring for many years. And I never want to forget about those folks who've been laboring for yeah. years in front of sidewalks and have been doing their part way before Love Life ever existed. And, That's right. and so we really recognize that this, this is the result of many prayers and many people that have plowed hard ground before us, right. that we're kind of getting the opportunity to stand on the shoulders of those folks. So very thankful for all the pregnancy care centers, all the pastors, yeah. all the sidewalk counselors that have been laboring for many years without um, seeing much results from the church being mobilized. Right. Um, so just very thankful for that. And, and that's really was my introduction of how I even came out here because there were some faithful people that were here 
that invited me out to the abortion clinic and exposed me wow. to the reality of what's happening in our city. Without that invitation, wow. you know, Love Life would most likely not exist today. And so very thankful for all those that have been laboring for many years. But what we're seeing God do is uh, stir and awaken the church. Yeah. Really, like, if I could put it into one word, I believe it's repentance is what we're seeing. We're seeing repentance lived out as John the Baptist encouraged and challenged us in the scriptures, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Right. So we're no longer just giving you know, pro-life, a, a sanctity of life Sunday, or writing a check to a pregnancy care center, all, all those things are great. We're actually putting further action behind it, right. living it out day in and day out. And that's really what we're seeing God do is the church is mobilizing and wow. living out repentance in our city. Right. And now it's beginning to spread across the nation. So you've told me before a little bit about the growth that has happened within the last year yeah. or so. Um, talk a little bit about that, Justin. What have you seen God do in this season where the church was being told, in, well, more so in California than North Carolina, but yeah. some, some, yeah, some, too, some yeah. tyrannical yeah. stupidity in North yeah. Carolina as well. During the season where the church was told, um, hey, you, could, you don't even have the liberty to worship mm -hmm. your God. Yep. Puny tyrants telling the church to disobey yeah. Hebrews yeah. when it says, don't forsake meeting together, yeah. as some are in the habit of doing. Mm -hmm. And the church got in the habit of not meeting some of them. Some defied as they ought to because mm -hmm. obedience, defiance to tyrants is obedience to God mm -hmm. in this circumstance. So all of this is happening. The church is realizing that they, they're being, having their liberty to worship taken away. And maybe they start waking up to the reality that they've abandoned the public square the cultural yeah. battles, which are, at the end of the day, spiritual battles. Yeah. So what have you seen God do in the last year or so through standing in obedience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in this season, we've, we've experienced an incredible growth season. And it all really goes back to the beginning of 2020, whenever everything was coming out with COVID and, you know, all the different restrictions were going in place. And, and we saw that abortion clinics remained open in the right. midst of all of those things. That's right. Uh, liquor stores and abortion clinics remained open while they were telling us to close our church doors. And strip clubs. And strip clubs. And yeah, and we, we realized, hey, you know, if abortion is going to be deemed as essential, then a Christian witness for sure <laughs> is going to be essential at these places Amen. of death. Yeah. And so we just had a conviction very on. We prayed through it. I mean, honestly, it w didn't even take us much time. It was just pretty obvious. Like if, if, if they're going to allow these places to be open, then we are going to continue to be right. present. Right. And we had a great conviction of that. And we, we knew that that could come at a cost. Right. Um, but uh, as we have been hearing from the media and every, all the politicians that we must change our behavior mm. to protect the born from the virus, right, right. Uh, we just began trumpeting that we must change our behavior wow. to protect the most innocent, the children children in the womb from abortion. Wow. And, and it really was a time for us to evaluate, you know, what are we doing to protect ourselves? I mean, just think about the effort over the last year that has gone into exactly. self-preservation. Wow. You think about all the media outlets. It's been nonstop for the last year. You think about all the money and the resources that have been pouring it, poured into right. protecting us from this virus uh, to, of self-preservation. What if we were putting that, a similar type of effort wow. into protecting the most vulnerable who don't have a less than 1% chance of dying from a virus, but have a 100% chance once they walk through those doors of abortion clinics across right. our nation? Like, wh when are we going to change our lives and, wow. and, and, and change our schedules and start using our platforms for those children? And so that's, it, it began when we started seeing this reality. We're like, man, this is... 
This is really uh, staggering that we're doing so much for self-preservation and so little to preserve wow. the most innocent in, in our nation. That's right. And so what we started doing is, we actually not started, we just continued doing what we were always doing. Yeah, we yeah. just said, hey, if go. abortion clinics are gonna be open, then we're gonna continue to mobilize a Christian witness. That's right. You know, yes, we honored some CDC recommendations. We try to do those things right. early on when everyone was still trying to figure out really what, what this was. Yeah. Um, we didn't gather in mass groups like we typically do at, at, at our right. prayer walks. So you went out But of we had way. people go yeah. out. We had people go out. We were still praying. We right. still were ministering. We still were doing the sidewalk outreach. And right. I felt like that was very important to do. Now, you had some, some of you guys got arrested. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? So, yeah, so, so as, tell that story. Yeah, so as we were doing this, we thought we were going to get the most kickback in New York City where we minister. Totally, yeah. We thought New York City, Lower Manhattan, Bleecker and Mott Street, it's the Margaret Sanger Center. Yeah. We thought something's going to go down there, right? Because yeah. New York being the kind of the, the, the epicenter of the pandemic. With and, King Cuomo. Yeah, with King Cuomo there. We thought, you know, something's going to go down. But uh, we, we reached out to the police department there. We have great relationship there. They said, you guys are going to be fine. We know you, get, you guys have been honoring CDC recommendations. So... It kind of caught us off guard when Greensboro, North Carolina, was the city that decided to really um, draw a line in the sand and say, if you come out here, we, we will arrest you. Wow. And, and, um, and you were social distancing on a public sidewalk yeah. while women were being, were being taken into the packed abortion into center, packed in. Yeah. Um, far past the the regulations for numbers that they were yeah. imposing on other businesses. Yeah. So the, the so way it played out, so we were here in Charlotte actually that morning with my attorney because we were unexpected. We were not expecting Greensboro to do what they did. We, we've had some issues with Charlotte in the past with different noise uh, regulations they've tried to put in place and parking things to try to hinder our work out here. So we thought we might have a little kickback here. So I was here that morning with our attorney. We showed... Uh, uh, the paperwork to the attorney that, uh, or to the police department. Uh, our attorney went through it and said, look, there's provisions within this. He's like, yes, we see that. You guys are fine. Wow. Well, minutes later, I get a call. Greensboro is the police are forcing everybody to go back to their cars. They cannot be out there doing prayer walking. They cannot be out there doing sidewalk outreach. Unbelievable. So we jumped in the car and started heading up to Greensboro. We called the police department on the way with my attorney and said, listen, there's provisions within the ordinance to allow us to do this. Right. Um, they didn't want to hear it. We showed up on site. At this point, they had chased everybody off, forced them to go back to their cars. When we arrive on site, uh, it's private property that we have permission to be on from the owner. We're out there every single week. It's nothing new. Right. Um, we're out there. We have a huge bottle of hand sanitizer with us. There's only five of us now because they've pushed everybody out. Right. And we show up. We're right there in front of the abortion clinic, but again, on private land that we have per permission to be on. And the police roll up. And they, I think it was like four or five cars that day that rolled up and, and uh, told us that we have to leave. Our, t our attorney continued to show the provisions that we have allowances to be here wow and they said you must leave and they, they forced us to the point where we just had to make a decision we said i'm sorry but we must obey god wow um, there Praise are people god. that are in there that are being murdered that that building that day was packed with probably around 30 people inside of a very small building so wow. i'm talking this building's like a thousand square feet whoa it's a small building wow. they had about 30 people packed into a small building in the midst of this pandemic and we have five people outside, open air, yeah, yeah. social distancing, huge bottle of hand sanitizer on private property that we have permission from the owner to be on. Wow. And the police are threatening arrest. Wow. And we just said, we, I'm sorry, sir. Like, we, we respect you, but 
the, the position you, you carry, but we must be here to be a voice for these children, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And they continued with the arrest. They arrested us. They took us down to the jailhouse and, and, uh, and booked us wow. there. So that happened on a Saturday. The very, uh, it, that, that weekend obviously was crazy. We were on the phone with pastors and just trying to encourage them okay. that we must continue to take a stand because right. Monday is coming around and abortion clinics are going to remain open. Yeah. So what will we do on Monday? Monday? That's right. And we just, again, were convinced and very convicted that we must continue to show up. So we did again on Monday, and same thing happened on Monday. We got arrested. There was about 12 of us that day. Many of them were local pastors. Unreal. One of them was the pastor right next door. He, he has a church literally next door to the abortion clinic. So this is his neighborhood. This is his right. block. And they arrested him for being there. Um, wow. and, and, and so we got arrested, but I tell you, it was a sweet time of worship. Sounds like it's time to primary that chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was a sweet time of worship and prayer in the jailhouse that day. I'll never forget it. These pastors that stood boldly, wow. but because the church stood the very next day, they, they, they changed on, on their stance and they allowed our sidewalk team to start going back out, the mobile unit to be back out there from one of our partnering ministries. Right. And, uh, but it's because the church stood. Yeah, yeah. If we hadn't have stood, then people all week long and all month long right. would have gone in there without hearing the hope of yeah. Jesus and being offered the help Amen. of the local church. That's exactly right, Justin. And that's really what spurred the expansion. People saw that on a Facebook Live. I was on a Facebook Live. Then the very next week, Charlotte got emboldened by what happened in Greensboro. And so Charlotte, very, the very next Saturday, after the police officer had told us the week before that you guys right. are good, under that same ordinance, started arresting people in Charlotte the really? very next week. Wow. And that's when David Benham, my dad, and, and some of our staff got arrested here in Charlotte. Wow. Um, and this really is what sparked expansion. Really? And you see this in the early church too, right? Yeah. You know, the, the call of the early church was to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the, the earth. earth. Right. But that actually didn't they didn't play that out. They weren't obedient to that until the persecution came. Wow. And then that's what caused the scattering. Yeah. And that's exactly what we saw with our ministry. People were seeing this across the nation. Wow. And eyes were being opened. Man, they're telling us to close our churches, but they're leaving abortion clinics open. That's right. Something's not right here. That's right. And it's time for us to take a stand. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. I, want, I want you guys to just think about what you just heard from Justin that when the church stands in obedience to God, God blesses that. Yeah, that's right. uh, courage is the prerequisite to all other virtues. Because mm -hmm. uh, without courage, you can't exercise any of the other virtues. Yeah. You, you have to yeah. have the cojones. <laughs> you have to have the spine, the courage to yeah. actually live out yeah. the other things that you believe, the other virtues that you hold. Yeah. And I think this is a, this is a, a moment for the church right now. Mm -hmm. if, if we don't stand together now, yeah. um, well, period for truth, but, but primarily for life itself, um, then I, I, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to stand again, at least not in yeah. a way where our liberties are protected to allow us to. You yeah. see what's going on in Canada right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, pastors, pastors are, are getting arrested. arrested. Yep. I, and, uh, and what's happening actually with Mike McClure, who's mm -hmm. the pastor of Calvary Chapel, San Jose, mm -hmm. Northern California, mm -hmm. tech oligarch, one of the worst areas to do ministry, mm. well, best areas in terms of spiritual right. battle, but I mean, yeah. but the most unfriendly is being fined, uh, you know, well over a million dollars. And they, they, they've contemplated 
uh, arresting him. Now, mm. thankfully, we just got a great decision from the Supreme Court uh, striking down everything from Newsom, from my governor yeah. of California, yeah, we call Mussolini, yeah. saying you can't apply this discriminately towards churches when you don't apply the same type of rules towards other businesses. Mm. Um, but that's because of the few who are standing. Yeah. And so when we stand, God blesses that. Right. Uh, now, we don't welcome persecution. We don't want persecution. Sure. Um, and if we stand together now, we can probably continue securing the blessings of liberty, to quote our founding documents and founding fathers, um, yep. that enable us to preach the full gospel yeah. and freely so that more people can hear it. Yeah. Um, but as long as we, we, we seek to secure other rights and other liberties, but we ignore life itself, mm -hmm. then it, you, you're actually just tempor temporarily delaying yeah. uh, the attack on all of those other rights that we have. Yeah. Because, and Abraham Lincoln made this point, you know, he, he, he made the point that if, if, if the right to life of the slave is not recognized and protected, yeah. um, then we can't actually survive as a free nation. Ronald Reagan, in his great book, Abortion and the Conscience of a Nation, made this point as well. He said, Abraham Lincoln recognized that we could not survive as a free nation as long as some men could decide that others were not fit to, fr were not fit to be free and should therefore be slaves. Yeah. Likewise, we cannot survive as a free land when some men can decide that others are not fit to live right. and should therefore be abandoned to abortion and infanticide. Right. And so Reagan goes on to say, there is no cause more important than affirming the transcendent right to life of all mm -hmm. human beings, the right without which no other rights have any meaning. That's right. um, and the, but the right to life is not our idea, it's God's mm -hmm. idea. Right. And when we stand in obedience to him, he's gonna bless that. So um, now this expansion and blessing of your courage and the, the courage of love life hasn't just happened in North Carolina. Right. It's also started happening more throughout the country yeah. because when one stands or a few stand, mm -hmm. others look and they go, whoa. And now they have yeah. to take they have to they have to take a calculation of their soul. Who am I? Am I going to stand when that time comes? Yeah. And and many have. So so yeah. tell us a little bit, Justin, about what God is doing throughout the country yeah. um, when it comes to the church, pro life ministry, sidewalk counseling, and particularly love life. Yeah. So it started here in Charlotte in 2016, and then we started expanding in 2017, 18 into Greensboro, the northern part of North Carolina, into Raleigh area, and then in 2019 we expanded into New York City. Uh, and wow. then from there, I just explained the story of 2020, which then really set off a, a mass expansion across the nation. So now we're in 15 um, locations across the country wow. from South Florida in the Fort Lauderdale area, uh, all across New York City now in the Bronx and Manhattan to California, where you are, which you've had. Uh, you've really stirred some things up in California, man. I'm so awesome. thankful for your voice out there. But in Southern California, Northern California, Boise, Idaho, Olympia, Washington, um, Georgia, uh, Alabama, Alabama, Virginia. So, and, and this is really just the beginning. I mean, yeah. These are just kind of the first phase of ones that we've launched. We're, yeah. we're gonna launch a whole nother group here in, in the coming year. Um, but uh, God is, waking up his people and i think people are really coming uh to the conclusion yeah. that if i don't speak then who will amen and you know i think wow. for for a lot a long time we've we've really have put a lot on our pastors which which i'm for like i mean our pastors should be the shepherds and those who are who are speaking on this right but my challenge i'm a business guy my background is i've been in the marketplace for 16 years i'm an entrepreneur and I meet with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and all the time I hear them say, man, I wish my pastor was speaking more on this. I wish, right, right. wish my pastor would just do this or that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I, I hear you, man. And I'm, I'm with you. Like that's a part of our call is to call pastors to yeah. speak and to give them a vehicle to mobilize. But what are you doing hmm. 
as a business owner? That's what right. are you doing with your influence? Yeah. What are you doing with your time, talent, and your treasure? Because uh, for me, I think about all the time, if I was a successful business person in 1943 in Nazi Germany, what would be my responsibility wow. as an entrepreneur? Yeah. And it would be to use my platform. And you see this all the time on the other side, yeah. where people are using the Grammys or the Emmys <laughs> yeah, yeah. or their businesses to promote That's a right. wicked agenda. Yeah. I mean, you see Gap and J. Crew changing um, you know, their logos every, every year to, yeah. the, to the rainbow flag to promote homosexuality. I walk through the streets of New York City a lot as we've been up there a lot doing ministry. And you see on, on the front of these stores, stickers that say, I stand with Planned Parenthood. Wow. You got all these people who are willing to leverage their businesses, to leverage their voice for wickedness. It's time for Christians, no matter if you're a school teacher, a stay-at-home right, right, mom, right. an entrepreneur, a Amen. pastor, whatever it is, if yeah, you yeah, have yeah. Jesus in your heart, we are called to full-time ministry. Wow. And, and that's really what I think people are waking up to, Exactly, is that I can't wait for somebody else to figure it that's out. Right. If, if God lives in me, I know who He is and I know what He's done for me, then I am called to love my neighbor That's as right. myself. That's right. Why won't we yeah. do for good and righteousness yeah. what the other side so passionately will do for evil and wickedness? That's right. I mean, the passion for promoting a demonic agenda is almost always yeah. um, more evident amongst the high priests of secular progressivism yeah. than it is amongst the sons and daughters of God, right. of the Yahweh, right. one God, one king, over all the earth, who says he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, why wouldn't we be stepping out to promote that? Because we've embraced a comfortable Christianity rather yeah. than a comprehensive Christianity. Yeah. So, Justin, tell us a little bit about what you would say to pastors and elders. So, um, some people who listen to this show are pastors, they're, they're lay people, Christian leaders or elders within their church. Um, and I think this is really important. This is why I preached the, my message at Calvary Chapel Chattanooga, which was to try to set the spiritual landscape mm -hmm. for people to see what we're against. Yep. The the, the culture of death, the abortion industry, the Democratic Party, this is not an alternative politics. Yeah. It's an alternative religion. Yeah. But they just slap the word politics on their false religion mm -hmm. because they know that the church is afraid of politics. Yeah. And so they're, shh. Yeah. We, don't know that we're, we don't want you to know that we're actually the religion of secular humanism. Mm -hmm. So we'll just call it politics so you're afraid to engage against us. But it is false religion. Yep. And so what, what would be your word to pastors and elders um, who say they're pro-life but have done little to nothing on this issue? Sort of set the biblical framework yeah. for this issue in the grand scheme of salvation history. And, and what kind of passages has God showed you in Scripture that, that really provide the uh, salvific and scriptural basis for everything that love life does? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll try to run through some of these really quick. It, for me, it all begins where it began for me in 2012 when I got invited out to an abortion clinic here in our city and exposed to the reality of what's happening in my own city. And the question that I had to ask myself that day, and I challenge all pastors or all Christians who ask this question, you might say, well, that's an obvious question, but no, no, I really want you to meditate on this question is, do you really believe it's a life? Really simple question. But do you really believe it's a life? And you believe the value of the life in the womb is the same as the value of as the yours. life outside of the womb? Yep, our, our life, our children's life, right? If you do, if, if you truly believe that, then we must live our lives drastically different. Oh, and that's, totally. the, that's the conclusion that I came to when I stood in front of that abortion clinic in 2012, that I actually have to live my life yeah. that reflects the reality of what's happening in my city. Because right. just imagine if two-year-olds were being walked into these abortion clinics 
and they were not exiting. Right. I think we would live differently. I think we would act differently. I think we would speak differently. Right. So it really begins with that fundamental question. Do I really believe it's a life? An eternal soul. Yeah, a, a soul, that a, an image bearer, someone who is made by God. And right. I point us to the scripture. I, this is just, there's many places we can point, but I, I love this in Luke chapter 1, when um, Mary and Elizabeth are visiting together, and John the Baptist leaps in the womb in Luke right. chapter 1. Uh, and then in Luke chapter 2, we, say, we see where Jesus is born and where Mary is lying Jesus into the manger. It says the baby was lying in the manger. Uh, it, so it says the baby leaps in the womb in Luke chapter 1, and the baby is lying in the manger in Luke chapter 2. And the same exact Greek word is used in both places. Wow. Berephos, the same exact word. Shocker. So God sees zero difference right. between a child in the womb and the child outside of the womb. That's right. And if we can capture that, that, that very basic principle, and really believe it, then I think we live differently. And that's where it begins for us. Do we really believe it's a life? Wow. Now, we know science backs it up, but even more importantly, what does God's word say about it? And, and us for believers, um, it's very clear. We know Luke was a doctor. Yeah. We know there's not a mistake in scripture. Um, Berephos, the baby leaped in the womb. Very next chapter, the baby, Berephos, is lying in a manger. Right. There's zero difference between the two. So it begins with that. And then us understanding that this is a spiritual battle. Yeah. It's a spiritual attack. John 10.10, 10, who's behind this? The thief That's comes right. only to steal, kill, and destroy, which is Satan. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the fullest. That's right. and, and so we, we see that this is his scheme. You see it in John 8.44. Right. At the very pinnacle of who Satan is, he is a liar and he is a murderer. That's right. That's what it talks about in that scripture. Those are kind of like the pinnacles of who Satan is. Right. He's a liar and he's a murderer. And what do you see happening with abortion? Those two things. Yeah. It's a lie that it's it's a clump of cells. It's not really a life. It, it doesn't deserve protection. It's a lie. And then he's murdering an yeah. innocent human being. This is, I'm telling you, this is Satan's pride and joy yeah. in our nation, That's right. in the world. This is his pride and joy, That's abortion. Right. That's right. Um, and, but, but we know that God loves life. He's a protector of life. He's a giver of life. And yeah. we should be reflecting that. So That's this right. is a spiritual issue. Amen. And if you want to look at how does God feel about this? I, I also asked this question over the years. Like, yeah. if, if God were sitting around this table with us right now and he was speaking audibly like we're speaking now, what would he say to us about abortion, this culture of death, and what is yeah. our responsibility, and what does he think about all this? Yeah, yeah. I believe he would speak Isaiah chapter 1. I want to encourage the listeners to go and read Isaiah chapter 1. But throughout this entire chapter, what you see um, being laid out in this chapter is God is speaking, and he's saying, I'm tired of religious activity. Yeah, wow. I'm tired of religious activity. What are these sacrifices to me? Mm. Um, he says, I'm so sick of them. I'm tired of them. That's right. Um, he says, your hands are full of blood. That's his response. Seek justice, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And he, he starts to lay out a plan of repentance. Right. And the backdrop of Isaiah 1 is that they were having great you know, prayer services, great sacred assemblies, great worship nights, a lot of spiritual activity in the city of Jerusalem. But right next door in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, they were sacrificing children. And that, that is the backdrop of Isaiah chapter 1. And that is the way God feels about that. Wow. He says, I hate it. I'm tired of it. Yeah. I'm not listening to you. 
your hands are full of blood. Wow. And then he gives a call to action, a call of repentance for us to live out. And I just believe if the Lord were sitting around this table with us, he would speak very similar to the way he did to us in Isaiah chapter 1. And so if we want revival, we hear that all the time yeah. in churches, yeah, right? Talk about that. We want revival. We want awakening. And I do too. I want that as well. But if we want mercy on our nation and on our land, we must first live out repentance. That's right. Wow. We can't pray and ask God for revival and awakening wow. when we know yeah. the addresses and the times around our country where innocent humans are scheduled to die and there's currently no Christian witness and we're not speaking about it, we're not showing up. I just take Charlotte, for example. Uh, you know, we have about 2,000 churches in this area. There's four abortion centers in this area. And, you know, I don't believe we can, we can um, be asking God for revival and awakening if we're not dealing with this. Now, thank God the church has yeah. awakened here and is mobilizing here. Right. And I believe we're seeing revival. I believe we're seeing awakening as we are seeing people that were scheduled for death that are now getting life. Right. About two, two or 2,900 families now in the last five years that have made the choice wow. for life at this abortion clinic. Wow. We see the, the orphans getting adopted into godly homes. We yeah. see people that have had abortions in the past walking through healing and restoration. Churches that were quiet that now are speaking and mobilizing. Wow. All the ripple effects of unity, John 17 unity that are happening. We're experiencing revival wow. as the church is living out repentance. Yeah. But we can't pray that prayer with, with, with um, authenticity if we're not first dealing with the sin in our land. Yeah, yeah. And I believe we will see revival. I believe we will see awakening as the church lives out repentance in this nation. Wow, Justin. I mean, I, I love what you said about repentance because not only is repentance the prerequisite to salvation, mm -hmm. but it's also the prerequisite to revival. That's right. Because God's not going to pour out a spirit on a land or a people yeah. or frankly, even his church to renew them again mm -hmm. um, while we allow this in our, in our country. So for the pastors listening to this or those of you who are involved in a church and your pastor's not very active on this, um, I think this is really key for us to grasp. I, I, so Billy Graham, mm -hmm. last great American revival, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Anyone know when that roughly started wrapping up that revival? 73. Yeah. Yeah. It was, have you thought about this no, before? No, I haven't. I just, it was the early yeah. 70s. Wow. So, so the bulk of, of Billy Graham's um, revival sermons and mm. speaking circuit mm. was, wow. you know, mid-50s, late-50s, 60s. Really starts fizzling out in the early 70s. Mm. What happened in the early 70s, right? Mm. 1973, yeah. Yeah. Roe versus Wade. We went from a median of 98,000 illegal abortions in 71, 72. Uh, the years following Roe versus Wade, the totals jumped to 1.6 million mm. abortions. So firstly, when people say yeah. that law doesn't influence behavior, you can't legislate morality, total BS. Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah. Um, as soon as we legalized abortion, it increased hundreds, hundredsfold. We haven't had a revival since. Mm. The church is crying out for a revival. People are yeah. waking up saying, you know, uh, God, forgive our sin, heal our land. Well, the land's desecrated mm. with blood, Pastor. Mm. You know, um, talk about Psalm 106. Psalm 106 mm -hmm. talks about mm -hmm. child sacrifice, actually, yeah. and, and God saying that the land is desecrated with blood. Mm -hmm. um, what is God's message to the Israelites then? Mm -hmm. And how do you think that that might uh, parallel his message to the church today? Yeah. The call has always been repentance, to turn back to God. I mean, typically what you see even throughout the Old Testament, it's, it's idolatry. 
is really at the root of what God's dealing with. And it's the same thing we're dealing with today. Right. It's self-preservation. It's about what I want. It's about what makes me feel good. It's, it's idolatry, really, that we're dealing with. But it, it's the same principle of reaping and sowing. I mean, we've been, we've been, we've been sowing bloodshed in the womb um, for, for now 48 years, and we're reaping it in the streets. Wow. We see that even this last year, all the riots that are taking place. Hosea 4.2, bloodshed follows bloodshed. We've been sowing it in the womb, now we're reaping it in the streets. And so I, I don't, it gets, it's kind of obvious. I mean, it's just like, we've been sowing this, what do we expect in our nation? I mean, we have experienced the innocent bloodshed on a scale and a magnitude like never before right. in the history of the world. And it's happening in our time, in our generation. Right. And so the, what God is calling us to is what, he's, what He always has throughout, throughout Scripture, whenever uh, the Jewish people would turn from God, is come back, repent, yeah. right. repent of your sins. And let me make it clear, because we're talking about a lot about repentance. Repentance is not just a prayer. Hmm. repentance is it might begin with a prayer but it never ends with a prayer it might be god forgive me of my complacency forgive me of my apathy that might be a very genuine authentic prayer but really then it 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 actually then continues though produce fruit in keeping with repentance wait are you saying that like faith without works is like uh like dead or dead yeah yeah that's right action without faith is dead it's john 3 16 and 18 says um, this is how you know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, right. and we ought to lay down our lives wow. for our brothers and our sisters, That's not right. just with words, right. but with action right. and in truth. And so we must understand really what repentance is. It's not just a prayer meeting where we confess our complacency and our apathy, and then we go right back to our complacency and our apathy. That's right. That's right. Like we actually got to live it out. Wow. And as we do that, I'm telling you, we will see healing. God will do His part. I promise you that. God will do His part. We just have to do ours. God wants to see abortion in more than we do. He's just been waiting for the church to obey Him and to mobilize. That's right. And we really miss out on a blessing when the church doesn't stand. Because I I know it's like we're we're calling you guys to actually take personal responsibility to end abortions in your city. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to become a full-time pro-life activist. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying leave your great, you know, job-selling insurance where you provide for your five kids. I'm just saying we all have a responsibility to do something. That's right. Um, just like you know, people wonder, right? ah, what, what would I would have, what would I have done in yeah. 1940s Germany? Yeah. You know, if I heard about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Martin Niemöller, Neberhard Bethke, and the Confessing Church, what would I, what would I have done? Mm-hmm. And what I try to challenge people to consider, and I've said this from the pulpit, and and you see people's faces just go, holy, <laughs> is if you want to know how you yeah. would have lived in 1850s yeah. America on slavery or in 1940 Germany on the Holocaust, it is exactly whatever you're doing on yeah. the issue of abortion today. Yeah. You know, Robert P. George, who's a philosopher at Princeton, um, phenomenal guy, Christian brother, one of the most brilliant minds uh, for the church today um, that a lot of people don't know of because there's this little strand of anti-intellectualism in the church, unfortunately, in America. But he always asks his law students, um, he asks them to raise their hands. Um, how many of you would have been abolitionists if you lived in 1850s America? Yeah. And he everybody. says, it's the strangest thing. Yeah, they, all, yeah, yeah. they all put their hands up. Yeah. And we know the reality is simply yeah. that, that 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 wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, because, you know, culture is to us what water is to a fish. Mm-hmm. It's what we swim in. Mm-hmm. And so the church has been often more impacted by a secular cultural liturgy mm-hmm. than by a Christian liturgy. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's something that the church needs to wake up to is to realize 
uh, listen, we have been sowing bloodshed in the soil of America for a long, long time. Yeah. But you've been walking through that soil for so long, brothers and sisters, that, that you, you forgot your, your shoes are red. Mm. You forgot yeah. that it soaked yeah. your shoes too, because that's yeah. the water you swim in. Yeah. Our culture has simply become a culture of death. Yeah. And the church has stood by and done nothing about that culture of death. Why? Oh, because I'm afraid of being labeled political, Justin. We're not a political church. Um, right. Well, praise God that the Good Samaritan was, I guess, a political pastor yeah. because bloodshed is not political. And he saw a bleeding victim on the side of the road in the ditch. Mm -hmm. And rather than saying, leaning over and saying, repent before you bleed out, the kingdom of God is near because my only role, Justin, is the Great Commission. <laughs> no, he understood yeah. that the Great Commission was more than preaching yeah. the gospel. It was living out the gospel. And here was yeah. the dude who was bleeding out who needed your immediate help. Yeah. And as you've said before, and I think it's so powerful, there's only one place in the world today where we know mm -hmm. innocent human beings are scheduled to die. Yeah. And we have the freaking addresses. Yeah. Yeah. And But many pastors don't even know the address. Yeah. They don't even know it's in their city. Yeah. And so Psalm 106, in response to Israel's complicity with child sacrifice, he says, the land is desecrated with blood. You're sowing blood in this soil. And so what did God say? He said, I give you over to be ruled by those yeah. who hate you. Yeah. So pastors, if you're wondering, man, I've been told I don't have the liberty to worship or gather in my church. Yes, God has given you over yeah. to be ruled by, I'm sorry, let's just say the name of the party, primarily by Democrats, mm -hmm. um, because they're nearly all pro-abortion, to be ruled by those who hate you, yep. who, who, who do not apply their policies fairly. They have specifically targeted to discriminate against the church. And so if, if you want revival in this land, if you want yeah. God to pour out his spirit on this land again, he's not going to do it as long as we continue to allow the slaughter of children. That's right. um, and so I, what That's I right. want to pose to you guys is the Martin Luther test. Martin Luther once said that if I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition, every portion of the truth of God. In other words, if I'm a great theologian, I'm a, I'm a great preacher, man. I can, I can just go, you know, I can just go fire on this, on this verse and I'll, I'll apply the gospel in a beautiful way. If I preach all of that, yeah. except precisely that point at which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, yeah. I am not That's confessing powerful. Christ. However boldly I may be professing Christianity. Yep. Where the battle rages, yeah. there the loyalty of the soldier is actually proven. Yeah. And to be steady on every battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that one point. Yeah. Listen, yeah. there are That's a lot of man. important battlefields right now, pastors, but no battlefield is more bloody desecrated or yeah. important than the battlefield of abortion. Yeah. And the devil has, is, has been owning that battlefield for 48 years. Mm -hmm. While you, Pastor, yes, I'm sorry, I'm going to offend you. While you have been preaching the quote-unquote full counsel of God, you're an incredible preacher, you preach the gospel, but you walk by on the other side of the road where you know innocent human beings are scheduled to die. And that one point in which you're flinching is the one point at which the devil is the most vociferously and passionately yeah. attacking. Yeah. And so he who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Mm -hmm. So repentance is going to be the prerequisite, not just for the salvation of, of, of your people, but also for revival on this land yeah. once again. Yeah, amen. Amen. Well said, man. I love that quote. And I think it really comes back to you know, do we really believe that this is the number one moral issue of our day? Yeah. I believe it is. I believe there's, there's uh, I have such clarity with that, knowing the numbers, knowing the reality of what's happening in our cities. And I think, again, that's where it comes back to, do I believe it's a life? If it is a life, then these numbers, right. this is the number one moral issue of our time. That's right. And, you know, this is a vital issue. 
This is not an important issue. This is the issue right, of right. our time. Right. You know, an example, you know, to kind of help drive that home is my arm is an important part of my body, right? right? Um, but it's not vital. My heart well, is vital. Like I have to right. have my heart to live, um, to breathe, to function. And there's certain things, certain issues that are important, but there's some that are absolutely vital. That's right. And, yeah. and it's this issue of abortion that we're talking about where real lives are on the line. That's right. And, and we have to start catching a revelation, and that's been our prayer, yeah. is that God would, would soften our hearts again. Let us feel what you feel. See what you see. Remove the scales from our eyes. Let us see this as you see it, God, as children that have the same value yeah. in the womb as, as children outside of the womb, wow. that deserve equal protection in the womb as outside of the womb. And that's really what we need, yeah. Seth. We need, we need a revelation of that. We need yeah. an opening of eyes. We need a softening of hearts because the reality is that we have become so numb to this culture of death, as you talked about, because yeah. we've lived in it for so long. But yet we can look back with, with hindsight's 2020, look back with total clarity right. and say, if I would have lived in 1943, then I would have done this. Right. But we must understand that this right. is 1943. That is, that's right. This is that time. Yeah. And Acts 17, 26 tells us that God picked the time and the place right. that we would live. Yeah, yeah. He, he ordained yeah. that. He it's a verse picked most it. people aren't aware of. Yeah, Acts yeah. 17. I love that scripture because it says, like, like, I live here in this time because God picked it. That's right, exactly. He, he placed Which us there's here. there's a reason. There's a reason for us being here. It wasn't some random That's location. Right. It wasn't right. some random time in history. Yeah. It is this time when we are dealing with the greatest yeah. holocaust in the history wow. of the world yeah. that God has chosen us to be alive wow. on this earth. Yeah, that's right. Now we must decide how we're going to live that's right. in that time and place. That's right. He picked the time and place, but we decide how that's right. we live in that time that's and right. place. And being a steward is, I think, an important concept to God. Yeah. There was a, I think there was a parable of the, oh yeah, the talents. Yeah. And some of Jesus' most colorful language, Justin, mm -hmm is actually directed to that man who buried the talent. Oh my gosh, you remember his response? Yeah. Yeah. Gonna throw you out into the utter darkness where yeah. there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because he was given something beautiful and he did nothing with it. And so in America, Justin, we the people are the sovereign. Yeah. Um, we are the most powerful political entity in human history. Who, so, you know, the king has always been the, 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 you know, the sole figure that's been in charge of the direction of a country. Who's the king in America? Mm. We're the king. Mm. And so who's the counselor to the king? Mm. To quote my friend Bill Federer, who's the counselor to the king? The church. Mm -hmm. The pulpits are the counselor yeah. to the king. This country was founded by activist preachers mm. who, had a, who had a comprehensive Christianity, Justin, who wanted to put their faith into every sphere, including the political. Yeah. And, you know, our brothers and sisters fled to this country in order to secure the blessings of liberty, in order to secure religious liberty. Right. And we screwed up, right? We yeah. had slavery here. Yes, yeah. yes, we are guilty of slavery. By the way, just like every other country, what made us unique is we got rid of it quicker mm -hmm. than pretty much any other country. Yeah. Um, because we, under the leadership of a phenomenal abolitionist and people like Abraham Lincoln, understood that we cannot survive as a free land mm -hmm. for all the things that we love, for all the reasons that we founded this country. We actually can't survive or continue securing those things yeah. as long as some men can decide that others are not fit to be free and should therefore be slaves. Mm -hmm. You could argue quite um, correctly that abortion is significantly more evil than slavery because slavery didn't always result in the murder of slaves. Mm -hmm. It often did, right. didn't always. Right. It wasn't a guaranteed death sentence, although it was one of the most heinous chapters in American history. Yeah. 
successful slavery doesn't always murder slaves. Successful abortions always murder humans. Yeah. They always murder babies. Yeah. So if we continue to allow that founding foundational premise, the right to life, to be ignored, then you cannot expect that government or its leaders to protect any other right that flows from that first and most important of all rights. Now, I'm not saying this, pastors, because I'm, I'm just trying to say, you need to fight abortion in order to secure your own liberties and rights. Uh, you know, no, no, you should do it even if you were being persecuted against. Not in order to it's secure right your born liberties, yeah. but because it's the right thing to yeah. do. But I do want to speak to people's pride for a moment. Hey, Justin, what are some of the names of the pastors in Germany um, in 1943 who were preaching Nazi bigotry with the veneer of Christianity or who stood by and did nothing? Do you know any names? We don't know any. Oh, no. yeah, we forgot yeah. them all. Yeah. We forgot the names of yeah. all of them. We don't know any of their names. So pastors, if you want to know, if you want to have a legacy in this, in this country, in your family, and when you stand before God, um, that legacy is going to be determined by how you act on this issue. Yeah. And yeah. people will forget your name. And, and frankly, we should forget the names. And 50, 60, 70, who knows how many years from now, hopefully a lot less, when abortions eradicated and we have established the moral clarity on abortion that we did on slavery, it will be names like Justin Reeder, Jack Hibbs, Flip Benham, Rob McCoy, mm -hmm. Frank Ramsor from Calvary Chapel Chattanooga. It's going to be people like Lila Rose. Mm -hmm. It's going to be brave pastors. It's going to be brave sidewalk counselors. These are going to be the abolitionists that we remember. Mm -hmm. And when we throw our crowns before the king, yeah. um, because they're his, um, those people's crowns are going to be packed with diamonds. Yeah. And they're going to be packed with jewels because God's going to reward that for how we stewarded that gift. So before we wrap up, Justin, yeah. I just want you to share a couple stories maybe of, of the most beautiful things that God has done um, through standing in obedience to Him first, through love yeah. life, through local ministry, through standing outside of these uh, concentration camps, these death camps, um, and what's got, what God has done through that obedience. Yeah, yeah, I want to end with testimony and some hope. You know, we've talked a lot about this culture of death that we must, you know, expose. We're called to expose the, the deeds of darkness. But I also want to speak to the pastors and those believers, like, to give you hope that there's, there's a way forward, right? There's a way to produce fruit in keeping with repentance and not just be against abortion, but actually be pro-life to live it out, which we actually believe is really just Christianity 101. This is hmm. loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Wow. I mean, this is, this is not even really pro-life activism. This is just being a follower of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I want to speak to that of like, you know, you might be convicted or say, hey, like I, I realize that this is happening and now I'm ready to take action. And that's really what love life is about. Love life is a call to action. It's a vehicle to mobilize the church, which we still believe is the greatest organism on the face of the planet. Praise and God. we still yeah. stand on God's word and believe God's word, Matthew 16, 18, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church yeah. of Jesus Christ. That is what, how we're going to see an end to abortion. It's when the church unites and mobilizes in, in this nation. That's right. We still are the pillar and the foundation of truth. Yeah. As Scripture talks about the church, we are the pillar and the foundation of truth. Not CNN, not Fox News, <laughs> not the Supreme Court. The church is the pillar and the foundation of That's truth, right. the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And so I just speak that courage into you that you are God's plan. Hmm. You are his plan for a culture of life and to push back the culture of death right. in this nation. And we have seen now over 400 churches that have mobilized, that have come together across denominational wow. lines. Baptists next to Presbyterians, next to Pentecostals, next to non-denominations. Yeah, yeah. Mobilizing now over 90,000 people at wow. our prayer walks, resulting in over 2,900 families that have made the choice for life. Wow. Um, just because the church is showing up and being present. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you a lot of stories, but I'm going to pick just a couple here. 
Um, some of my favorites are, we had a mom that came for an abortion in 2016. She showed up here at the abortion clinic. There was a Christian witness that was here that was offering the hope of Jesus and the help of the church. She came over and talked to the sidewalk team, went on to one of our partnering ministries as a mobile unit here, saw her baby through the free ultrasound, made wow. the choice for life. This is just one of the 2,900. Uh, then got connected in with a mentor in a partnering church, and they began discipling her and walking with her through her baby shower. This is what we offer to all moms to yeah, make the choice yeah, yeah. for life. It's not just, hey, choose life, and we say, God bless you, go on your way. We want to put them on our donkey, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and take them to an inn and pay for it. So we take a local church is walking with them, discipling them, throwing them a baby shower, offering wow. the first two years of needs for that child's life. Well, wow. guess who shows up to the baby shower? The lady who had been managing the abortion clinic. The manager. The manager shows up to the baby shower because this is her niece who made the choice for life. And so now she's sitting in a local church wow. at a baby shower, seeing the love of Jesus being poured out on her niece, right? So no longer is it words, wow. but it's, it's love with skin on. It's being the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and so then she goes back to work at the abortion clinic where she'd been managing for 10 years and was convicted about what she was doing. And about over the course of a year, she started funneling people out to the sidewalks. <laughs> so as people were coming in for abortions, she wow. would say, hey, those people out there, they'll help you. You don't have to do this. They're, they're doing it with my niece. They're walking right. with her. So she started pointing people to the church, wow. which is the shift in culture that That's we're right. after, where people stop running to the abortion clinic and start running to the local church. Wow. And we see that penetrating even the abortion industry where workers are redirecting people to the local church. Wow. The manager then quit and then joined us on our on the sidewalk on no the other way. side wow, at our wow. prayer walks and now does catering. Yeah, does catering events for us. She has her own little business that we wow. support now and um, and so we've seen that with other abortion workers as well where they're pointing people, redirecting people to the local church. And so we've, we've seen this over and over, but I want to tell you another, a different story. Yes, I, I want to touch a different nerve here because I think we, in this space, we hear a lot about the moms who make the choice for life and everyone is amazing. Everyone is a miracle. I mean, seriously, everyone is a miracle. They were showing up for death that day. Yeah. A child was literally minutes away from, 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 from dying, um, sometimes seconds away and, and made the choice for life and they're alive today. These kids are coming to our prayer walks. Wow. They're in our churches. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I want to touch a different nerve. There is a, a man in New York City. He, uh, once we launched in New York City, he was a part of one of our partnering churches, and he started coming out to the prayer walks with his family, and he started coming every single week. And we got to know this man. His name is Pasquale. Pasquale is, a, is an entrepreneur. He's a business owner in the Bronx. He owns an Italian deli in the Bronx. Wow. And every Saturday, he used to, he would close his business. He still does. Close his business on Saturdays bring his entire family out to the abortion clinic for the prayer walk every Saturday. Wow. And not only that, not only did he make that sacrifice every week to do that, to go from the Bronx to Manhattan, lower Manhattan, the largest abortion clinic in New York City where we have our prayer walks. But then he has the metal shutters. Like if you've ever been to New York, you know, they got those metal shutters. They pull down the metal shutters yeah, yeah. whenever they're closed. And he has this huge mural that he painted on the metal, metal shutters. And it's an image of a child in the womb. It's huge. It's an massive mural. Wow. And he says above the mural, I am closed on Saturdays because we were out praying for the preborn. 
Here is a man wow. who is living like people are actually dying. Wow. He's living the reality that we talk about. And he is living in the most pro-abortion borough in New York City yeah. as a business owner owning an Italian deli. And he's not afraid to wow. let people know why he's closed and what he's doing exactly. uh, um, about this moral issue. And I just, I just speak that for business owners. Wow. Again, I'm, I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur. I challenge you, no matter if you're a pastor, a business owner, wow. a Christian, a confessing Christian, yeah. to use your voice, use your influence, no matter where you are. I believe there's no separation between marketplace and ministry. When Jesus is in your heart, it's all full-time ministry. God has wow. all uh, picked the time and place in which we would live. Yeah. But we have to decide how we're going to live in that time. Right. And Pasquale is a great example of wow. how we should live in this time. Well, and you know, how many business owners and entrepreneurs were putting Black Lives Matter or Planned Parenthood yep. um, or women's rights on their windows to signal to the priests yeah. of secular humanism that they stood with them right. in the culture of death, yep. while according to the Washington Post, one of the furthest mainstream left organ, you know, platforms in the country, uh, 12 unarmed black men were shot by police officers in 2019. Mm. Half of them were still attacking the police, they just didn't have firearms. Mm -hmm. And then a couple more uh, were still speeding away. And you know, so about three or four were unjustifiably shot yeah. in 2019 by police yeah. officers. Yeah. And then all of the police officers were met with justice. Where is the justice for the unborn black lives yeah. who were killed at the tune of 370,000 a year? Mm -hmm. And where were the Christian business owners, the sons and daughters of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, who couldn't yeah. be bothered to put signs and signals yeah. on, outside of their businesses yeah. showing what they stand for and who they stand with? Right. And so we need to begin engaging in that cultural war because politics is downstream from culture, but culture is downstream from religion. Yep. The religious ideas that a people hold because we're religious beings, because we come from God and eternity is written on the heart of man, will end up shaping the culture and the type of things that culture cares about. Then yep. the types of things that that culture cares about ends up becoming inflected in our right. politics. Right. So we are the true religion. Right. Christ says true yep. religion is this, to care yep. for orphans, orphans and widows in their distress. And so Justin, mm -hmm. if we're supposed to care for the orphan, mm -hmm whose life is endangered mm -hmm. because their parents are dead? Mm -hmm. How much more should we care for the orphan in the womb yeah. whose life is endangered, not because his parents are dead, yeah. but because his parents want him dead? Yeah. Yeah. And so if you want true and undefiled religion, Pastor, mm -hmm. there That's it is right, right there. Right. And what a beautiful picture to put that on your business, mm -hmm. to say, this is who I stand yeah. for. And what a groundswell yep. effort that could be from yep. Christians who don't compartmentalize their faith anymore, right. but have a comprehensive Christianity. Right. Wow, those religion. are beautiful stories, yeah. man. Yeah, I just want to speak really quickly. If you're, I don't know where you are in the nation, but um, I want to encourage you to get connected because you can do something in your city. That's right. Uh, you can take your place on the wall. Mm -hmm. Our model is really built around the story of Nehemiah mobilizing the church. Yeah, share that. And, uh, and, and there's four steps that you see in Nehemiah uh, that, uh, that we've really built our ministry around. God gave us a strategy whenever we launched the ministry. The four steps are hear, pray, go, and connect. And this is uh, what we call our Adoption Week model to, to use to help mobilize local churches, to yeah. give them a way to, to go from educating them to activating them. And 
And so the, the four-step process when a church partners with us is they begin on a Sunday morning educating their people what is God's Word say about life yeah. and what's the tragic truth about abortion in our city. Most of us don't know about that, and that's where Nehemiah's journey began. Nehemiah chapter 1, he heard what was happening right. in Jerusalem. He had to be aware of the situation that the walls were broken down and the gates were burning with fire. He had to be aware of the condition of his city. Right, be a watchman. So, so pastors, we're just encouraging you, make your people aware of the condition of yeah. your city and what does God's word say about it. That happens on a Sunday morning, and then on Wednesday is a time for prayer and fasting because we know this is a spiritual battle that must be fought with spiritual weapons. And Nehemiah follows the same process. After he heard, he turned to prayer and fasting, weeping, mourning, repentance. But he didn't stop there. After that, he left his palace and he went to the brokenness. Mm -hmm. And that's where on Saturday we call churches to come out and examine the walls personally for yourself. Come out and do a prayer walk with us for you to see it for yourself. That these are not just numbers. These are not just statistics. These are real moms, real children, a very real spiritual battle that is taking place. And let me tell you, there's, there's no spiritual battle like you will experience that, that, than what you will experience at an abortion clinic. I'm telling you, we've seen demonic manifestations, crazy wow. things that happen, witchcraft that takes place. Um, but I bring my children out here because I want to raise warriors wow. for the Lord. Right. And it's a great opportunity for us to teach our children what it looks like to love those mm-hmm. who hate you, yeah, yeah, yeah. to love those who persecute you and falsely accuse you and say all kinds of evil against you. Right, right. It's, a, it's a time to actually to disciple our children versus just give a nice, cute little Bible study at home, but we actually get to go practice it. Wow. So on Saturdays is the prayer walk. You come and you see, we pray. We're not out there protesting or yelling or screaming. We're out there examining the walls and praying on Saturdays. And then at the end of the prayer walk, we give people an opportunity to get connected, yeah. to find their place on the wall. Is he calling you to foster care and adoption? Is he calling you to mentor and disciple a mom or dad right, right, who makes right. a choice for life? to join us on the sidewalks, to be a trained sidewalk outreach counselor, and so on and so on, or healing and restoration from past abortions. It's a vehicle, it's a model that God has given us that we have found to be very powerful in mobilizing the church. So if you want to see the church mobilized in your city, you can reach out to us, lovelife.org. We want to help equip you to know what that looks like, what that means, uh, because we believe we need this across the nation. We we have these death camps across the nation. And we need the church to be mobilized in these cities because I believe all the resources exist within the body within of Christ. The church. That's right. And if, if you can mobilize the greatest organism on the face of the planet, then it takes care of everything else. Yeah. Wow, Justin, that's that's incredible. Uh, listen, guys, <laughs> before we wrap up here, I, I just want to let you know why I stand with Love Life, why I'm an ambassador for Love Life. There are a lot of pro-life organizations. There are a lot of groups doing incredible things. There are a lot of groups that do sidewalk counseling. And, and, and like Justin said, Love Life was birthed out of those kind of people. Mm-hmm. So we're not here to denigrate any other, any other organization to say that they're not doing enough. Yeah. But here's the reason why I wanted to bring Justin on. I want you to know about Love Life is I don't know of another organization in the country that's doing what they're doing in the way they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Because their goal is to, is to wake up as a church, to work directly with pastors and local yeah. churches. So not just to create church partners that then pour in their people, their time, their talent, their resources mm-hmm. to be able to cover all of these needs for families and love them towards Christ, um, but also to raise up 
uh, foot soldiers within local churches, reminding the church that this is our duty, this is yeah. our spiritual obligation yeah. to do this. It's wonderful to show up and, and stand outside of death camps and plead for the life of the orphan. That's wonderful. And if you do that in your individual life, praise God for you, keep yeah. doing that. But Love Life is flying at 60,000 feet, saying, how do we, how do we create thousands of those people who we love and support yeah. from a high view that implements a strategy plan for the church. Because unfortunately, yeah. pastors have not been the ones saying, how do we end abortion in America? And let's get a game plan. Listen, Love Life already has the game plan. We already have it. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's all based on the Bible. It's based on spiritual truths. And it's easy to implement if you just say yes. Yeah. So go to lovelife.org forward slash America to get plugged in. We have chapters in Northern California, Southern California. And then as, as we mentioned, uh, they're in Alabama. They're in Georgia. They're in Florida. They're in North Carolina. They're in Idaho. They're in Washington. And we're, they're building more and more chapters. So we want you to get plugged in. If you're in a state where there's not a Love Life chapter yet, consider becoming a full-time Love Life missionary if that's what God is calling you to. If not, connect with your church. Become a house of refuge. Bring me in to speak at your church. We'll light a fire in people's souls, and then we'll implement the Love Life strategy plan. This, is, this could be our finest hour, or it could be our last hour meaning the last hour where we have the liberty to do this freely. The culture of death is moving on at 200 miles per hour. There's a drunk man behind the wheel uh, and bad things are gonna happen to the country and increasingly to the preborn child. Mm -hmm. So if you participated in any type of resistance to help, um, to help protect the vulnerable from a virus with a 99.7% survival rate, if you did more on that than you did to protect the preborn child, I think you, like all of us, need to repent and begin bearing fruit and obeying Christ to simply love our neighbor. So love life, I believe, is simply Christianity 101. And I think it's time for the church to wake up because I don't want you to be a Christian or a pastor who, like in 1940s Germany, said, oh, there's some, Justin, I think there's some smoke yeah. from uh, something. Oh, yeah, we heard something about that. Uh, it was something like a death camps or, I don't, know, I don't know. That sounds too gnarly. Yeah, surely they can't be doing that. But uh, these pastors knew that yeah. these camps were nearby their churches, but they didn't do anything about it. Yeah. You have the addresses. You know where they are. It's time to act. And guess what? You're going to be blessed your socks off because God's already outside of those right. death camps. And when right. we show up, the things that he's going to do through his people are incredible. Yeah. So, Justin, any last words for us? Yeah, the same words that Jesus had for us 2,000 years ago. The call is deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. If you want to find your life, if you want to preserve your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and for the gospel, then you will truly find it. Wow. And I've, I've found that to be true in my own life. The last five years, difficult years, we've, we've experienced a lot. But let me tell you, I would never take them back for anything. We have experienced such amazing faith-build moments where we've seen people that were showing up for death who wow. get life. We've seen, we've seen the miraculous. And I, I want to invite you into that, to lose your life for his sake and for the gospel, and you will truly find it wow. in the process. Wow. Guys, listen, uh, God could have ended the Holocaust and slavery if he wanted to, and he could end abortion if he wanted to. Why hasn't he? It's been 48 years. He could end it. So for those of you who say, God's sovereign, he's in control, so I'm just going to be faithful to preach my sermons, and, you know, if God wants to end abortion, he'll do that. Uh, well, could have said the same thing on the Holocaust and slavery. God didn't. Why not? Mm -hmm. I guess he waits for his people to move yeah. and use them as puppets and vessels that he slips his hand into. Yeah. Um, and so the lion of the tribe of Judah is on the move, mm -hmm. uh, to quote uh, Narnia. Aslan's on the move again. Mm -hmm. And he bids you, come, enter the battlefield where yeah. you will find strength for your souls and help in time of need. And you will experience a life like you've never experienced before. Yeah. Because the creator of the universe who freaking breathed out stars laughed animals into existence and knit your soul together inside your body is the same God who bids you come. 
and he says that you will find strength in time of need and he's going to do miracles through his bride and through his church, which I love what Justin says is the most powerful vessel um, for change in this country. We cannot survive as a free land and you cannot secure a free land for your children and grandchildren as long as some men and women can decide that other small men and women are not fit to live and should therefore be abandoned to abortion and infanticide. This is a vital issue. It is not one issue among many. The right to life is a prerequisite right, without which none of your other rights can be realized or make any sense. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning into our conversation with Justin and Love Life. Lovelife.org forward slash America. Go get plugged in, no more excuses. We love you, we stand with you. Um, if you wanna learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com to book me for an event, to sign up for my speaking schedule, um, or to, to uh, learn more. If you want to watch this show visually, if you listen to the podcast, go to YouTube, YouTube channel, Seth Gruber, a voice for the unborn, subscribe, help us grow that platform while I can fly under the radar of the oligarchs who uh, hate Christians because we've been given over to be ruled by those who hate us. And then if you want to become a patron of the show and help us produce more content, take this content to the streets, be able to reach more people, change minds, change hearts, and save lives, go to patreon.com forward slash unaborted. And we got cool perks and tears there for you as well. Just as a small thank you for supporting the show. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back next week. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. We'll